Yo, Chuck, run up power move on him. something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours. Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We have another uh, wonderful podcast from the Brooklyn Combine. We are the Brooklyn Combine, we're at the Brooklyn Combine, and we have a very esteemed guest in our presence. Um, we're gonna introduce her in a second, but we'll do a quick roll call. We have uh, myself, Phil. Brother Mally. Ken Montgomery. Barnabas. All right, that was very civilized. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's because um, Ms. Barber's here today. I, there we go. Um, we do have uh, Miss Barbara. Why don't you give uh, an intro? Tell us who you are. Well, my name is Barbara Goodwin, and I was born in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn in the midst of the uh, white community, uh, Italian community mainly that lived in Bensonhurst. But there was a few black families that lived in a little alcove in Bensonhurst back then. Did they call it Little Africa or something? Or no? no, we just <laughs> called it Bessonhurst. And uh, we had our own church, Monzon Baptist Church, that's still there in that little alcove. And uh, we, I grew up in a house where there was a, a Jewish family owned the house, and they had a American Indian outside with a cigar. Mm. And uh, it was very funny when I, I, had, when I was working on this job, and I was telling uh, my supervisor, who was white, that I was lived, grew up in Bensonhurst. He said, did you live in that house with American Indian? <laughs> <laughs> well, was that, at the time, was that something that was progressive for Jewish people to have in their yard? Or uh, he, it, Well, he, he had a candy store, and mm -hmm. he, the American Indian had cigars. I think it was just an advertisement okay. to come in that he mm -hmm. had cigars. And uh, my brothers used to deliver papers for him because back then, you know, you didn't have paper stands. Mm -hmm. And my brothers, he had this bike in the, in the, in the down in the basement. And my brothers would sell uh, papers for him. And then there was some people from New Orleans that lived upstairs over us. And so they always cooked this Creole food. Mm -hmm. And we always had a good time. And my father used to grow, Mr. Jacobson, he used to let my father grow stuff in the backyard, corn and collard greens and things So it like doesn't that. sound like your landlord was about perhaps the racism that was surrounding you and in, in, in the fiber of, of this country in Bensonhurst. Well, him and his wife had gotten out of Poland mm -hmm. uh, before mm -hmm. the Nazis right, took right. over. So, so they understood they oppression. They understood oppression. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can remember how they cried when we left. Oh, but all, all of us were born there. My brother, mm -hmm. I have a sister. All of us are four, I have a sister four years older than me, and I had another brother four years older than her, and I have my oldest brother. He graduated from Lafayette High School. Now, what time period was that? Let me see, my brother. Like, that you were, these memories that you remember growing up well, in, I, what, I what, 19? Well, I was born 1935. So this was like, this is maybe what, 40, 40s? From 1935 to 1940? 
15 maybe? Yeah, I, I we left there in 42. My so brother, 42. My brother, brother from Lafayette High School, he was the only black mm-hmm. in his class. They had him sitting right in the middle. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this sounds like a very safe environment that you guys were growing Regardless of how dangerous these times was. Yeah, it, it was. Like, the time was, they used to chase my brothers home mm-hmm. sometimes, but my father told us, I can't fight for you. You'll have to fight, for, to yourself. fight for yourselves. Wow. I can't. Is now is that something that all black parents get the memo on? Because <laughs> well, I was I told know. that same thing. Well, you know what happened? My father, like I said, my father had a lot of bitterness in him because he was of the condition. He grew up in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. mother couldn't read or write, and they would cheat her. You know, like when she went to the store and she did laundry. And my mother, his mother, sent him to the store, and some white woman came in, and he said, "I was next." And they called the sheriff, and he didn't run. Mm-hmm. And so when the sheriff came, sheriff told him, you one of them stiff niggas, mm-hmm. you ain't going to be around too long. And he went home and told his mother. And somebody, my grandmother did laundry, so one of them white people told him, Ms. Dolly, you better get your boy out of here. Mm-hmm. And she got him out, and he came to New York and lived with a half-sister of his because his father had been married before. Mm-hmm. And his father had children older than he mm-hmm. was, and his father uh, fought in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And we have his discharge papers home. My grandmother always got a little pension, said unremarried widow of Isaac Goodwin, because that's how they kept check of how many Civil War vet- mm-hmm. widows were there. And my grandmother always wanted me to learn how to read because she didn't know how to read or write. Mm-hmm. And so she would uh, pay somebody to come in to teach me how to read when I was very young because she wanted me to learn to read, to read the Bible to her. Now, you knowing um, I met you with Phil, I feel like maybe a year or two. Right, last year. Last year, right? And you had these incredible books that I purchased some of them um, that you were were selling. But the experience was much deeper than that because you really, um, for our generation, you know, there is a lot of trauma, there is a lot of pain, and we also, um, depending on your experiences, you're not um, educated to the history of, of, of Black people. Um, and you seem to possess that when we, we met you um, and had a wealth of knowledge and experiences and perspective. Now, all these years later from 1935, when you look back at that time when you were living in that, in that Jewish family's home, um, what's your feelings about the environment at that time? Because America at that time was just getting its legs together to become this superpower built on our black bodies and what, what we had, had built. That's true. I can remember when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. And uh, at that time, it created some jobs for people because mm-hmm. uh, the men went to the front and so women got a lot of jobs working in factories and things. But they had at that time, they had a, we couldn't have any meat. They told us we couldn't have any meat. We had ration, rationing books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how. Now, this did. is in America. This is in America. You know, the, what, what were those gardens, like, you know, that well, people were growing? No, it was, we had rationing books. Mm-hmm. You had a book and it had stamps in it. You had mm-hmm. sugar stamps. All oh, right. Uh, canned goods stamps, shoe stamps. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted a pair of shoes, you had to give him a stamp. Mm. And then, like, my grandfather, he would give my mother his shoe stamp, you know, because she had children. Your, you know, your feet were growing. 
and you had to have a sugar stamp, you know, five pounds of sugar a month. He, nobody had diabetes back then because we didn't have sugar. <laughs> yeah, we, it was a ration. You could. They said you can't have meat. The mm-hmm. meat is going to the war front. Mm-hmm. So we were all vegetarians back then. Maybe that's why I'm living so long. <laughs> we were all vegetarians back then. But people, you know, people say, I don't remember that. I said, yes, you do. They don't want to <laughs> tell how, how old they are. But everybody was doing bad. You know, I mm-hmm. remember my mother standing in long lines and the white people, everybody, we were all oh, doing yeah, really bad. Because the depression had just, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, yeah. heels of the Great Depression. Yeah. I said, my mother, you know, people, you had to help people. My mother's specialty was turning people's electricity back on when Con Ed turned it off. With a penny. My, yeah, with a penny. <laughs> but, you know, copper conducts electricity, so mm-hmm. they had cop, real copper in the pennies back then. And they would tell my mother, she said, okay. And she would go take the fuse out, put the copper penny, put the fuse back in, and the lights would come on. That's awesome. And so then, you know, you call her when you got the money together to pay Con Edison, and she would undo what she did. <laughs> and they would turn around. Did you, did you see signs of black nationalism or black radicalism uh, at that time, like people, like you know, like him. William Patterson and, and uh, Paul Robeson or Hubert Harrison, were they were their presence felt at that time? Well, when Garvey, I Garvey, you know, they not when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, like I was the one to bring consciousness to my family because every child has a different experience. And when I graduated from high school. Like I said, I had a friend, I made a friend with a young lady, and she lived in Harlem, and mm-hmm. she belonged to some club, some book club. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, you know, one day, when you get paid, let's go to the African National Memorial Bookstore. It was on the site where the, uh, the state building is, so 125th Street. Yeah. A huge store. It was the epicenter of culture back mm-hmm. then. Everybody went. That's where mm-hmm. W.D. Du Bois met his wife. Mm-hmm. People came from all over to go to that book. It was there mm-hmm. about over 40 years. And then they made the move. I And when I started going there, the first time I went with her, Malcolm X was hooked up to the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And that was my first real awakening. I was about 18. Mm-hmm. My first real awakening because he gave a lecture on Vietnam that night and mm-hmm. why you should go to Vietnam mm-hmm. and he, how they had changed the name from French Indochina. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, you know what? They show you Vietnam is a little country little on the end of China. He said, Vietnam is part of China. You're going to be fighting 800 million mm-hmm. Chinamen and you're not going to win. And you saw this live. Yeah, I was. Yeah. What was your first impression of seeing I Malcolm move. X for the I first time? I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And I came home and I told my father, if I said, stop going up there with the Muslims, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be hanging around those Muslims. But of course, once you see Malcolm, that's it. That was it. You, yeah. can, you can never go back mm-hmm. to be what you were before. And we were staying on that corner, and I started going into the bookstore. Matt back converted my father. He started hanging out with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because some other, not because of me, but some other young people mm-hmm. who would, because, you know, you're limited to what you can say to your parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he started talking to some young people on his job. They told him, look, oh, man, go sit down. And then he came home, and he, I started him listening to Like It Is. Mm-hmm. I started him taking him to the lectures with me. I invited Dr. Ben. To our home. How'd you That's meet Dr. How'd, yeah. you meet, yeah. how'd you meet Dr. Ben? I met Dr. Ben by going to 
uh, First World Alliance. There were some elders who started First World Alliance. Then it was in a Lutheran church on 145th Street. And they started having lectures there. And I first had seen Dr. Ben on Like It Is. Mm-hmm. So when they said they were going to have Dr. Ben, you know, at the lecture, I started going. Matter of fact, the first Saturday, it snowed. A lot of people didn't come. But over the years, it began to build up. They had Dr. Ben Sertima. Mm-hmm. You have Dr. Clark. Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Scobie mm-hmm. was there. Dr. Jeffries. And, and so that's how I met Dr. Ben. And... Uh, what, why do you think it is that um, it seems like uh, this country was a, is, a, is a white nationalistic experiment? Right. And as a result, they preserve a, a false history. Why do you think it's so um, nuanced for black people here to, to know? Why, why isn't those names, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, Diop, Sertima, why aren't they, they common knowledge in our households and in black communities. Schomburg, like why why is why do you think I mean I have my ideas and thoughts of why, but why do you think that is? Well I I think that a lot of times we don't reach back and get family. You know, we we we, we will learn something but we don't try to pass it on to our family members. Mm-hmm. And you have to I try to pass it on to younger people in my family, but a lot of times you you're up against this these uh the things that they get on their iPods and they get on their gadgets. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have a lot of books in their house. And it takes time. It takes time. People have short attention spans. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was coming along, we didn't have TV. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of out-of-the-house political activism. Mm-hmm. We wasn't hypnotized home, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when you did get television, it went up at 12 o'clock. It mm-hmm. wasn't really like a programming was It wasn't it's right. 9 yeah. o'clock. And it, was some, it wasn't a lot of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot of good stuff on TV anyway. Mm-hmm. And so we, I didn't grow up in that strict TV age. We began to go out. Gil Noble, we had a lot. We had positively black. People began to demand mm-hmm. during the 60s. People began to demand black programming. That's how Gil Noble got his job. Yeah, unlike yeah. it is. And Dude, it's, it's a struggle. It's funny because Gil Noble's story. You ever heard his story about Malcolm X? Yeah, he wasn't yeah. rocking with him. And until, not only that, he didn't know anything about yeah. black history until yeah. he met Elombe Break. Elombe yeah. was already working there. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Elombe's son just put a book out on some of Elombe brass speeches that I bought mm-hmm. uh, just this year. But Elombe Break was responsible for educating Gil Noble. Mm-hmm. Do you think his integration is a reason partly why someone is as intelligent as even a Gil Noble would be resistant to, to black information and that nationalism? No, is I it? think it's psychological conditioning. Okay. It's very hard. That's like, I, I, I would rec- excuse me, I would recommend this book to everybody. Because What's that book you got there? The name of this book is called The Falsification of African Consciousness, Eurocentric History, Psychiatry, and the Politics of White Supremacy. Mm-hmm. These people know... Aimed by Amos Wilson, by the by, way, who has a bunch of incredible yeah. books concerning child development in Africa. Yeah, and and I, you say he was right below Alumbe, right? Like, right by his, his office. office. Yeah. But I know the guy, Sababu, he worked with Amos, and he's the guy who's keeping Amos Wilson's books mm-hmm. in, in play. Mm-hmm. So if you ever want his books, he lives right on Rogers Avenue, too. Wow. Yeah, oh, wow. so if you ever want his books, I go to his house and I buy them, mm-hmm. because particularly young people... Because if you buy him on Amazon, he might not get. No, he's he, not. No, he's, he's not, not getting, getting anything. anything. 
Oh, Plus, wow. the price is too high on Amazon. Mm -hmm. He sells the books much cheaper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've Amazon. seen books by Amos Wilson and others. Yeah. For sixty-five hundred dollars, all kinds of stuff. all kinds of crazy things. Man, he lives right down here on Rogers Avenue, and he has all these books. That is Dr. Barber. I'm I'm not a stickler for time. Phil is a stickler for time. Okay. He's tapping me, talking about we got to take us our, our, our first break, break our oh, first okay. music break. Because to me, time is you know you can't capture time. Okay. Sometimes you just got to be in time. But I'm going to listen to our supervisor. Who will survive America? Few Americans. Very few Negroes and no crackers at all. Who will survive America? Few Americans, very few Negroes, and no crackers at all. melting in this brother's eyes. His profile was shot up by a Simba. Thinking who was coming around the corner was really Tony Curtis and not a misguided brother got his mind hanging out with Italian. Who will survive America? The black future will. You can't with the fat stomach between your ears. Scraping nickels out the inside of nigga daydream. Few Americans, very few Negroes. opportunity to elaborate we were having a conversation earlier out front and we you know we started talking about well a bunch of stuff but we, we started talking about Lincoln and to, to, to Kenny's question about the the frameworks being in place to maintain certain characters as a part of your national identity or cultural identity and we started talking about Lincoln 
Man. And how, you know, in the school system, you know, you learn these different things. Yeah. And these people are canonized in this way. So even if today you are distracted with your iPod, your laptop, whatever, you still got to go to that school every day. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be certain characters and certain dates and places that are being reinforced. What do you what do you think about that and our sort of lack or presence of those institutions to provide that for us? Well, you know, Europeans are not going to treat your children, not going to, like Elijah Muhammad used to say, they don't treat you right, they ain't going to teach you right. <laughs> and so you can't depend upon oh, no. somebody else to teach you in a school mm-hmm. or any place else. Who is supporting these schools? Mm-hmm. You know, whose money is supporting these schools? Mm-hmm. White people's money, basically, particularly when you go to these Princeton and all these mm-hmm. universities, mm-hmm. people, white people's money or is controlling the schools. They're not going to teach you anything. Matter of fact, you might get put out. I remember I went to Pace University, mm-hmm. and at that time, they didn't have any white teachers. And there were a lot of African students there who demanded that they have a black teacher. So they hired this teacher, Dr. Abigail Dune Jaffers. He came from Nigeria. Very young man. And he was teaching literature for African peoples. So I said, well, I don't want to take this class. So when I came in, he said, uh, the curriculum is going to be your autobiography of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Black Skins, White Masks, mm-hmm. France Fanon's mm-hmm. works and some other stuff. And he said, can I get some feedback? And I said, how long you plan on staying here, brother? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny that you said that? Yeah. We, with, as far as education, um, I have three children. My oldest, when he was in fourth grade, uh, the class we're covering, I guess it's integrated studies, and they started covering um, uh, Americas, the Americas and Christopher Columbus and slavery here in the country. So okay. the, the this is what they came up with. They came up with an exercise where half of there would be a debate. Half of the, the participants in the debate would be for pro-slavery mm-hmm. and the other half would be anti-slavery. Mm-hmm. And my son... Um, said I he told them he didn't want to participate. He's like, why should we have to debate something like that? And this was in fourth grade. Okay. And they they told him he had to pick a side. So they <laughs> give him the side of the anti slavery, thinking that is gonna pacify. pacify him. And they record him and he he looked angry and he it was just a weird display and he was upset and I left the car and um, I had picked him up that day and I left the car and he had took my cell phone and he I still have the writing. He had wrote why he felt this was wrong and why he had to participate in so- something like that. That's right. And as you telling me that our whole cultural integration in this society is to get us away from who we are. That's right. That's what slavery was about. To create the thing without. A set, with no memory, mm. with no historical Blank memory. slate. You forget. Yeah, you can't think. Anyway, Dr. Abbey O'Doon, when he came with that curriculum, the whole school went crazy. <laughs> the school newspaper was on him. Every classroom went and they were discussing him. Mm-hmm. He didn't stay. He stayed like three semesters and they, they fired him. They fired him. What what was the reason that they gave for firing them? Listen, they didn't have to give them. They didn't have right? to give them no reason at that time. He, they had a 
full-blown school, uh, they, the school paper. Yeah, he man. was disrupting the whole school. I had asked one, I said, do you know him? Have you ever met him? Well, no, but he can't come in here with all this consciousness raising. This is what they say. <laughs> you can't come into he, an he, educational he, institution no, and have consciousness. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Well, like they said, like that don't sound like democracy. <laughs> well, Amos Wilson said that you know we use a model of sanity. We use an insane model. Not it's just yeah. all these shootings. What do you? What does people need? What do you need with a gun? What does the average person need with a gun? Ain't no, there's no, no, no reason for it. There's no reason for it, but the reason why, because they got this country with the gun, and they're going to keep it with the gun. You're absolutely right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because other than that, it don't make no sense. Because white makes right. And you know, and you know what's funny when you talk about they criminalize and suppress the, the black power movement, the civil rights movement yeah. with guns and yeah. dogs yeah. and hoses yeah. and everything else you can think of. See, Jeff Sessions, he wasn't worried about white people running around here killing people. Oh, he, I don't know. he invented something with Black Lives Matter. He, this is what he's looking into. <laughs> but he's not looking at all these little white boys running around here killing people oh, no. every minute. And he's probably home mad right now because he. this is a great time for white supremacy. Well, you know what? He's not getting a part of it. That little sissy. Part. That little sissy <laughs> got just what he deserved. He got, <laughs> he got exactly what he deserved. Yeah, Bogart. He right. got emasculated yes, he by did. Trump. Yep. And he said... Can I leave Friday? Say no. no. Get out yeah. today. Yeah, he definitely emasculated him. Yeah, that's and, what Trump. But does. you know what? There's is funny then, to then me. He got a uh, lion Ted emasculating him too. Yeah, but you know what's funny to me is that you know it shows you the uh, aggression of white supremacy that every once in a while they eat their own to make a point. Uh, about this social order and it shows you how powerful it is because at one point a year ago you couldn't convince any of these senators that that jeff sessions would you know they were protecting him yeah and just like that he's he's gone and 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 not even relevant anymore and that's that's pretty funny but what was he doing that somebody else can't replace nothing he wasn't he was doing, doing nothing. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. He was a nasty little thing. Yep. And he got just what he deserved. Mm -hmm. But you know, like I said, people are mad at Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump is, listen, I'm, 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 he's straight I'm up. cool with it. He's straight up. He knows exactly. I'm cool with he that. He said he's a nationalist. He left yeah. the white part out. Yeah. But we absolutely. knew what he meant. And the white people he appealed to, they know what he meant too. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bob, I made a lot of money when he ran. I knew, I knew from did. dealing with people and picking juries and walking in these courtrooms and dealing with these white people. White people, I was like, yo, he's winning. You know why I knew he was going to win? Because white women have always been in close proximity to white supremacy. They've supported it. They've, they've right. enabled it. They facilitated it. I knew white people were not going to vote against their interests mm. and their father and their uncle. So no matter how wacky Trump was, like you said, they were going to go in that direction. And, what you know, they think is their interest. Yes, what they mm -hmm. think. Yeah, absolutely. True. Absolutely. What they think. Yeah. This this country is for who wrote the Constitution? Rich white men, Man. property, and power. Yep. Who's in, you know what I like about Trump? Who's in this cabinet? White people. Rich, All day. Rich, yeah. rich, rich. Kleptocracy. And you got Bessie. Billionaire Betsy. Betsy. Oh, Betsy's billionaire already. Oh, oh, yeah, Betsy Devos. Yeah. And you know who uh, her brother is, yeah, right? Yeah, Black Eric Water Prince. guy. Eric the Black Prince. Water, the yes. Black Water guy. Yep. She was, she was born into money. Mm -hmm. And she got somebody paying 12 how much money? to Because she got to be followed because she yeah. got threatened. Yeah, yeah. 
But all she of them ain't doing are, nothing. Listen, all of them are sent to that's the formula. Even the guy who is being propped up as the darling for the Democratic Party right now, sort of in a way that Obama was at one point, the Beto O'Rourke guy. Right. He's my age, went to Columbia. Yeah. Been arrested quite a few times. Family is affluent. He's married into a billionaire family. Yeah. And right yeah. now. And he's going to go far. He's going to go. Oh, too. hell yeah. And yeah. you know what's Because he looked like Kennedy. He yes, looked like Kennedy. He has the look. I thought he was Kennedy at first. Yeah, he has the look. Yeah. His brother. His, his, his mother. Their family's Republicans, too. Yeah. Because somebody asked him about Republicans voting. He said, My mother's Republican. She's going to vote See? for me. And mm-hmm. that's again. So, again, voting against. Now, so you get the masses of poor working class whites before the term will be fashionable, working against their own interests and all with the hope to one day become one of these wealthy members. Mm -hmm. And this this brother, he was like in passing. They was like interviewing some people on the street, something I was listening to. But I remember him making a point. He said, you know, y'all poor white people, y'all got to get this mess out your head. These rich white folks don't love you. He said they would not wash their feet in a bowl that you eat out of. (laughs) But every day, they are going to the ballot. They're going to work. Mm -hmm. They're going to the church, Mm -hmm. praying, hoping, wishing, believing they're going to be them. And generation after generation, they're not. But they're maintaining the idea of whiteness. Yes. Because because even, even to critically think about other ideas, you would have to acknowledge that perhaps... What, are we going to have this black system? Exactly. Hell no, we're not having that. <laughs> we're not, no, we're not we going to have that. a spick system? We ain't having that. No, we but you know, having before, that. before we um, came into the room, you said Trump was effective at doing something. What were, what were you saying? He's effective at making, making, the woke people making, already, making white people think that he was going to do something mm-hmm. in their interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had all these poor white people. And... I don't know if they got bad hearing. Didn't they hear Miss McConnell say, we're going to take away your health care, pre conditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't hear that mm-hmm. because we got We don't have no money now. We gave ourselves all this tax increase. Did, you, did they see any money in their checks? No. From the tax increase? Mm-hmm. Right. Wait. Now we think about his uh, historical revisionism. This is like some sort of real time, present day, like people sort of yeah. tricking themselves real yeah. time. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't get any money. But I think to 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 go along on your everyday without any hitches in this society, the American society, there has to be a level of cognitive dissonance. And white people have mastered having that. Well, you know, I remember when I got my first job with the federal government. And under the Kennedy administration, mm-hmm. and he said that they had to hire some black people. And how they were getting around it was they could pick, uh, and they would send three people, mm-hmm. they could pick any three. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how high you were on the list, they could still pick any. So they had to pick some. So the first agency I went to and they hired me was Corps of Engineers. Mm-hmm. And they had starkly not had any black people. And so the person who was interviewing me said to me that she didn't like it, uh, that she was going to uh, make life so difficult for me mm-hmm. that I was not going to stay. Mm-hmm. 
So I said, oh, yeah, right, to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as I walked out of there, I said, she don't know. She don't have no idea. She don't know what she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Now, as a white woman, did she have any... She was Jewish, huh? Or Jewish, as a Jewish person, did, did she have any benefits over you? I mean... She was my supervisor. She mm-hmm. was a supervisor. I mean, like, racially, did she, did she seem to benefit? She was racist. She was mm-hmm. like Trump. Mm-hmm. And she had this older black woman who was her assistant... And when she spoke, she would speak to this woman like a dog. And the woman would just, she would just, you know, mm-hmm. listen. I was straight up listening to Malcolm X every Friday. Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm would say, my dream for you, that you lose your fear. Hmm. Lose your fear. Mm. He said, this is what my dream for black people. Not to be fearful, you know, of, of white people. You got to stop that. And you know what? And it's true. Once you stand up. Standing up is 90% of the battle. What did John Clark say? When you stand up, you, you get that person off your back. You know what? They so can't get on your back. She started this stuff with me, yelling and screaming at me. I just got up. I walked out, went to the controller's office, and I told him, this is just not going to happen. This is just not going to be like this. Then I saw out in the street, and I told her, we can settle this anytime, any place we oh. want to meet. <laughs> So she didn't like that. She I could see that smoke. that was really rattling her. And I would see her sometimes. We would come on the subway Union Square and I would just like do like this. Yeah, jump at her. <laughs> and like she, she came in there one day and she was ter- she was mad and she said to the controller, I'm not taking this no more. She harasses me in the street. I said, Well, I don't know what she's talking about. I really <laughs> have no you idea. You know what? You make a, a great point. Too, and you did it really subtly. Like Barnes, you said Barnes said I think white, and you said no Jewish. Yeah. And it's funny how everybody gets to take their turn being white. Exactly. You know, his, yeah. you know, Mexicans, some Mexican and Hispanic people, Cuban descent, are trying to take that turn. Irish just recently have gotten their their turn relatively. Recently, recently, you know, a long time ago, but relatively easy. Italians, them people who was chasing your brother in them home, right? They weren't white when they first no, came here. Not even no. it was in the forties. They was and and it's 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 funny how you see that whiteness is this false concept and ideology that's used to to implement a system, yeah, of control. And, and people, we're always going to be the problem in this system. And people want to expire for that, yeah. too. Yeah. Black people try. Ben no. Carson is doing his best. But, but, no. <laughs> but, but that was, so that was twofold. Like, you, you mentioned earlier the construction of that sort of Blake slate mentality in order to have an oppressed entity that would be able to, you can keep profiting from. And, of course, black people happen to become that. The same thing happened for white people, though. Yeah. This, this sort of make-believe, empty uh, vessel of all things that, that they felt were valuable, going back to Greeks and Romans or what have you, and then like you said, everybody then shoots for that. And the problem with that, of course, is you get default people. So to be yeah. white in America is to be default. Right. And, then, and most people and they they, they don't know where the Greeks went to school. No, right. they don't know they right. went when to Africa. Socrates and Plato yep. went to school in Africa, and mm-hmm. I asked them, so where they go to school? And most white people said in Africa, because mm-hmm. Greece didn't have schools mm-hmm. in those days. They Certainly. came out of there and went. There was a book called Stolen Legacy. Mm-hmm. James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. where they stole. Everything mm-hmm. they stole. Even this is a book called Indian Givers, written by somebody. And I remember Bob Law used to have a show. Uh, used to come on 12 o'clock. And he had this guy. Is that Indian Givers? The name of the book is Indian Givers. Mm-hmm. And there's a chapter in there called Red Framers of the Constitution. 
and they explained mm-hmm. how red frames red, red, red framers mm-hmm. of the Constitution is a chapter in the book. Mm-hmm. And it explains that Europeans who came here, they only lived under king or queen. They had no idea of how to set up this government. So Benjamin Franklin was the printer and the mm-hmm. indigenous people would give him their stuff to print. Mm-hmm. And this country is actually, the government is actually set up at, under the framework of the Iroquois Confederacy, represented represent from the tribes would meet. Mm-hmm. And that's where they got the concept of representation, mm. representatives wow. from the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, 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 every chapter is about something the Indians gave. It was written by a white man, though, but it's about that. <laughs> and that's a very good chapter because they say, he said, you would never think that this government was was met, modeled on the Iroquois Confederacy. They don't mention that in any books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so these people set up things for themselves. They, they had rich white men. Matter of fact, when they were debating, you know, uh, the vote, the rich white men mm-hmm. with property and power could only vote. Yeah. You know, and so even this, their immigration policies <clears throat> and all that stuff is fairly new, recent. You know how the census and and all these things that they they had really established was based off of exactly what what you're talking these about. Indians taught them how to survive, how to plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The interesting thing is, is that I've actually read or watched somewhere Ben Franklin's documentary that uh, he claimed to have brought democracy back from Europe when he when he moved mm-hmm. back when he was like 21 or so. Mm-hmm. Hell and he, no. And, but, right, and, and and I knew that he brought back... America is just one big myth. Right. Like, it's a big myth that we all, are, you know, are caught up in. Yeah. You know? And all of these presidents, none of them have done anything for us. Oh, hell no. Very and, and And what Trump is doing to make America great. You can go back to George Wallace, to Lyndon Johnson, to Nixon, to Reagan. All of them utilized. We but, can go but, in our own time. Like, yeah. look like, like Reagan today. Yeah. Anybody who's old enough, like, I'm 40. I was here. I remember this state, guy. State rights. This yeah. guy was yeah. a freaking cowboy. That was a, like a clown, like a TV cowboy. But today, you got people act like this man was some profound intellectual. Yeah. This yeah. is Tom, amazing. Tom supremacist, supremacist is on us again. <laughs> we got to take another break? You? Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Say, Brother Richard. What, man? Look at that black brother looking so mean. Look like he's carrying a can of gasoline. Listen, brother, let me pull your coat. That's no way to have a black revolt. See that brother across the street selling those Muhammad speaks? Go talk to him. Let him run it down. Don't try to burn up half the town. Uh Uh-oh. Here comes the man, and you standing here with that can in your hand. Drop it, brother, like I asked you to, and let the brother run it down to you. Sticks and stones and kerosene, Coke bottles filled with gasoline, bricks and bats and bicycle chains. With tools like these, what could you possibly hope to gain? Burning and looting and cries of black power. Black power, all types of war cried, soul brother would holler. Brother, try and think like a wise man. 
How much black power can you hold in a can? Hey, look at them marching peacefully over there, led by Dr. King. They say Whitey shot him and fled the scene. Carmichael Brown McKissick, the late Dr. King. All these soul brothers claim to have the right thing. Listen to me, brother, and try to understand that what the so-called Negro needs is a divine plan. 9,000 miles and 400 years from home. That's an awful long time for anybody to be gone. Brother, do you realize that you are the maker and the owner of this earth? And it is that time in history for the American so-called Negroes rebirth. Let us unite and get some land to call our own that we can live on long after Whitey is gone. Do you think we're shucking or running down some jive? Check Malachi in the Bible, 4th chapter, verses 4 and 5. It says right there, brother, that in the very last days, Elijah would come to show the black man the way. Unite with me, black power it will be, and there will be no need to carry a can of gasoline. Wait just a minute, brother. I know what you're going to say. You're tired of religion in every way. But I'm not talking about preachers hollering about Jesus, Jesus, and a land on high that you can only get to after you die. I mean freedom, justice, and equality, true friendship, money, and the best of property. Not $50 million churches with solid gold steeples, but, but businesses, hospitals, and schools to benefit all black people. We, we were talking about, like, you know, that, that, that power of controlling the story, right? Controlling the history. Yeah. And, and he was able, yeah. Ben Franklin was able to do that through the printing presses. Why yeah. that, that, that fact is really they interesting. They had all of their documents. <laughs> no, for sure. Take, and he was bringing them to the Constitutional Convention with him. Mm -hmm. Hey, they, this is mm -hmm. the way they do it, Les. Yeah. But but this is why we got to use the technology for our advantages as well. Not this is obviously not a podcast about science and tech, but when we think about his usage of that technology, mm -hmm. Garvey was able to do the same thing with the print and press, right? Mm -hmm. He was able to come along and say, "Well, you know what? I got access to this technology. Mm -hmm. Let me distribute, let me produce." So, the same goes today. When we when we think about these tools that are primarily used for distractive purposes, we have to augment them for our purposes right. because they're here and mm -hmm. they're certainly not going away anytime soon. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Oh, okay. Now, I wanted to hear a, a bit more about Amos Wilson downstairs, though, because some of these people, we, you know, we, we read about them and all that, but you got to meet a lot of these characters. Yeah, well, so. Amos Wilson, like I said, he was right downstairs and he would come to the, he was a really nice guy. He was a really, I remember one day I was, I was examining Carver. I was a bank examiner. I was examining Carver on 125th Street. And I was coming out of the subway, and he was right there. And I started talking to him because he had given the lecture at the church uh, the week before. And what he did, he came, he brought the, this film, and it was a film uh, made by some Europeans. And they, what, what they were doing, they were testing black children as opposed to white children. And they were testing them uh, for motor skills, and uh, it, and all the tests they gave the black children came out ahead. 
And he came, we didn't know who he was, because we had never seen him before, and we knew a lot of the lecturers he was see. He came the week before, like, to scout the place, and he sat right in the front. And the next week, he came back, and he gave this lecture. He brought this film. It was dubbed. It, it was a French film, but it was dubbed in English. Mm -hmm. And all these white scientists were testing our children against white children. And he got up, and he, he didn't need a microphone. His voice could uh, he uh, when he spoke he got up and said now ladies and gentlemen that white people know that your children develop fast in it what did they do to stop your children and he laid it out mm -hmm. and this was what year 60 something 70 something yeah it was in the 60s he mm -hmm. laid it out i mean and people began to all how they how they even when like like i tell young women like they'll take their children to the doctor and doctor will tell them your child shouldn't be doing I said your child is advanced mm -hmm. don't pay them any attention your child can he said our children have heavier neck muscles and they get they can get up and they get a horizontal view of the world mm -hmm. earlier hmm. and even these scientists in this film the, these white people who were doing this experiment with our children they were even showing you about toilet training how African mothers would train their children by sound Train them to urinate by sound, Water. making sounds. <clears throat> and he, they would show you about Europe. And so when he started, that the, the audience started moaning. I mean, he was just... When he was, like in disgust? Or? No, not in disgust. As if, like, oh my goodness. You know, I've been victimized by mm -hmm, this. Now when mm -hmm. they, like me, when you take a child and you have no image of the child in the books, the books I had was the only black people in the books when I was coming even in your reader... Well, white people. Mm -hmm. So, what are you doing to the to the child's like psyche yeah. when you don't see yourself reflected mm -hmm. in the books, or when you see yourself reflected as a distortion or or yeah. caricature of yeah. yourself? Right. Like, like which Sambo. is the, which is what we they have taken. Sambo is just like entertainment of today. That's and, what and is still you know, being published today. Like, yeah. um, a, a friend of mine, Ian, he and his wife, they're, they're somewhere. I, they're somewhere, but I was looking online, and sure enough. They were in some museum and they had little Sambo. Little Good, Sambo but Sambo, still this, the Sambo element is so strong in America that you can get non-black people to play Sambo right, and exactly. black people will follow. Yeah. Like this, the Takashi kids, sure, like right, right, sure. some of these, some of these great lyricists that we listen to, they're doing their best impression of Sambo. Because all is a concept. Yeah, it's That's a concept, it yeah. and 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 it's but real you see, easy. It, 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 when you when you strip somebody who they are, mm -hmm. they act like Kanye West for mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. And people would ask him, I said, look, we're in a war. He's a casualty. Yeah. In war, there's casualties. Mm -hmm. You know, and so he's a casualty that's of, the of real, a war. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. curse. That's the realest shit I've And you know what? Dr. Barber. Yeah. He's and you can casualty. see it all the time where people, you know, they had this poor young girl. She's on YouTube. You see it on Dr. Phil last week. This girl was black as me. Look at the Cand look at the Candace Owens personality. Did you see her? She's yeah. like she's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Like, you know, she's, they, she's a tool for white supremacy. Like yeah. Amos Bell Amos Bell said, What do a black person have to conserve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you conserving? Yeah. You know, you you know, know what? These people are money. They're yeah. Amarose. They out they they know better. <laughs> yes. They're just out for the money. money. But you right. know what? It's it's, it's you, you raise a great point about people knowing and then a larger populace not knowing. Because when we go back to this idea of myths of black inferiority or superiority, 
Many of these individuals, especially this country's founding fathers, when you go look at their tombs, they got they got African iconography all over, mm-hmm. all over their tombs to take them into this. Af- yeah. And many of them, of course, especially the, the Masons who weren't cutting any stone, but that's a whole nother lesson for another day. They were well aware of our civilization, our contributions. Yeah, to yeah Herodotus, uh, Her- Her- Herodotus, what is it? The, Herodotus. The, yeah, the Greek philosopher, he says it yeah. about where he was educated and what he saw when he went to Africa. You well, know. you know, when I was studying with Dr. Ben, uh, Dr. Fred always gives you books. Every week we had 10 books. Mm-hmm. And the first book he gives you is a book called The Anacalypsis, written by this man, Sir Godfrey Higgins. Mm-hmm. It was written like in the 1800s. And Godfrey Higgins wrote in the premise of the book about the black man. Mm-hmm. You're going to say, when you go to this book, you're going to see all things that black people have done. And that was back in the 1800s. 1800s. Mm-hmm. And he talked about you know, the religion. Mm-hmm. He gave us religion. And in other books, Dr. Ben would give us the origin evolution of religion by mm-hmm. church, this man, Albert Churchwood, mm-hmm. and signs and symbols of primordial man for what the symbolism yeah, that's a great point. in religious mm-hmm. means. So these are the things that he, he said, look, if I got to tell you about John Henry Clark and Vista, you don't belong here. I will give you something <laughs> that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but he would give us this book called Dirt. <laughs> The, the history of Europe through dirt and what a dirty, filthy place mm-hmm. wow. Europe was where people didn't take baths. That's why all these diseases, like Dr. Jeffries liked to say, even more so than the gun or brought down the indigenous people, mm-hmm. it was those diseased mm-hmm. bodies that they brought with them. Mm-hmm. That killing the whooping cough and, and measles oh, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I remember one of the worst things I had was the hooping cough. The hooping cough. Man, you spit blood. Mm. It's, it's really, I was sick all all summer. This is as a little kid. Yeah. And it, yeah, well, what happened was yeah, my mother her. had her, her friend's <laughs> daughter came to Alabama. She brought the hooping cough with her. And I caught it in my, my brother's little daughter. So all three of us, some of them had the hoop. And you can't keep nothing on your stomach and mm-hmm. you spit enough blood. I said, my son, I don't know how I survived. It was, it was a terrible uh, disease. To have the hoop and cough. You make a good point for me, which is corroborating um, that, you know, things are what they appear to be for me. And that you just said some guy was writing a book in the 1800s about our condition and what we had done and our right. accomplishment. Right. And we lose sight of that. Right. We don't realize that there were black men and women who were writing this well, he, stuff this down back then, white. like, but but I'm saying, but even black, back then, white. like 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 David Walker or his Hosiah uh, yeah. Eaton, they were writing yeah, right. uh, Ida B. Wells. Right, mm-hmm. they were they were laying this stuff out right. and paying the ultimate price. price like Ida Absolutely, yeah. long time ago, like when you were growing up in Bensonhurst. Uh, Paul Robeson was jumping on a ship traveling to Russia and coming. Yeah. Like we have always been no. figuring it out, but it I, seems like there's been a force for us to be complicit in this. And it always seems like, at least in my lifetime, that that force is always greater than the other force. And the the ability of these people to play us against each other. I remember when I was, uh, Dr. Kennedy, she's an acupuncturist I used to work for for 10 years after I retired. And she asked, called me, and she said she had all these people coming from the National Black United Front Mm -hmm. to her house, and they wanted to speak to her elder. So she asked me if I would come. So what I did, I bought a case of books with me called Recharge Genocide. And it's a book 
uh, about the speech that Paul Robeson made over 60 years ago to the United Nations, charging the United States. Yeah, I remember, with, I, remember with genocide. I remember that speech. But I wanted them to see something. Uh, nothing had changed. All the things that they did to, in the back of the book, to mm-hmm. corroborate the genocide was mm-hmm. what happened to Trayvon and what mm-hmm. happened to the young man who the cop just jumped out and killed. Mm-hmm. This has been going on going for forever. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I bought my, my, my book of lynching, of just lynchings. Mm-hmm. What's that, Without Sanctuary? Without Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Just lynch. And I had a, uh, to meet this man who had actually been hung up, who was out here at the slave. He had been, his name was James Cameron. Mm-hmm. And he had, uh, he was with his friends, both of them, he watched them get hung. He gave a lecture, went to slave, automatics, brought him, mm-hmm. gave a lecture to slave. <clears throat> Oprah had him on for an hour. And he he watched as his two friends got hung. Oh wow! And then they came, and he describes it such a vivid description. We were all in the slave crying. Everybody was crying as he described how he was his friends. What happened was he was with his friends that day. I think he was fifteen. They were like sixteen, and both of them were sixteen. And his friends gave him a gun. They said, "Let's let's rob somebody." They in Lovers Lane. And when they when he got to the car, he recognized the white man in the car because he 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 sh- he was a shoe shiner, mm-hmm. and the guy was one of his customers. So he gave his friend the gun and he started running, and he didn't stop running until he got home. But they shot. He heard the shot. They killed this guy. Mm-hmm. He heard the shot, but he was on. He was running as he as he heard it, and they caught them. And of course, they gave him up. And you hear, and in this book, and it, when he was telling it, uh, when they came to get him, his mother, he, he, they dragged him out of us, and his mother was saying, take me, take me, please don't take mm. him. What has he done? What has he done? Please don't take him. Take me. Because she knew what was going to happen to him. And they got him, they beat him up, and they put him in jail. And he watched as they hung his two friends from that jail. And where was it? What state was it? I think it was in... Um, Missouri, mm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you and remember when Clifford Glover was shot? I do in remember New York? Clifford Glover was shot. He was what nine years old, right? Yeah. Shot in the back. Thought he was the man. Mm-hmm. I thought that Reverend Dorothy was leading uh, the struggle around Clifford Glover and a lot of wow. young people. That uh, was what, like six, late sixties, early seventies, yeah. maybe. Yeah, somewhere around there. I remember the kid from Bensonhurst that got beat up. I can remember we buried him. Who, Yusef? Yusef Hawkins. We they're doing, they're doing a, a friend of we mine. We collection. He's doing a film buried, on that right we now. We buried him. Because we used to go to Slave. You know the Slave? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Slave, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Judge, Judge Phillips used to own Yeah, he used to own that place. Uh, uh, automatics groups used to, they used to give lectures. I used to mm-hmm. go to there every week. Because then Amos Wilson, those people were coming there. Mm-hmm. You know, they were around Robin. We had them coming to Brooklyn, to Manhattan, to because people, like I said, people wasn't caught up in TV back then mm-hmm. right. that and much. More they were trying to learn. And it was more, and people my age, and people bringing their children. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole family's coming. People, I had dinner last week. A couple that met at First World and got mm-hmm. married at First mm-hmm. World Alliance. Mm-hmm. You, you seem to. I mean, you seem to be curious all your life. Like, well, you know, I felt cheated. Right. <laughs> you know, I felt really cheated having grown up with no black. It, it, and right. somebody lied to you. Like somebody, 
made you believe a lie about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, we had never done anything. We had never accomplished anything. And you believed all that. The white man did it. And you see that poor woman, last young lady, she wanted to be white. Why would you want to be white? She was a beautiful young woman. Right, right. You also just, when you just said, um, they've always done a good job of dividing us. Yeah. Um, I was just reading something recently that... um, Damn, I can't even, her name, um, Zora Neale Hurston's last book, The Barracoon, talking about the last slave ship um, that came into Alabama. It had a really special, I had to put it down, not because it was difficult to read. Um, I I had to put it down because it was really personal, because my dad's side of the family migrated from Alabama. Okay. And she had captured how they speak. and. She was talking about it and the tragedy of this man. And my dad's family went through that same tragedy of children's dying, my grandparents burying their children. But it, 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 the interview, when she talked to Kojo, he talked about how, he didn't say it specifically, but the Dahomey people. And the Dahomey people were led by King, uh, I think, Gizo, uh, Gezo, G-H-E-Z-O, whatever. When the transatlantic slave trade was done away with supposedly he was the african king who was like nah we could we need to keep this thing going mm-hmm. and he was raiding yeah. all these villages and and yeah, africans well. and and getting that money and that and it really touched home to yeah. hear that account firsthand yeah um and, and it, it was it really touched me and it moved me in, in a well, certain you know, way we always i remember they brought jackie robinson into Senate hearings oh yeah up against paul, paul robeson. robeson yeah and malcolm s jumped all over him on that <laughs> and i remember this book that jackie robinson wrote and he said malcolm was right he did say that yeah finally. he said malcolm was right but we get played we play they play us against each other mm-hmm. and we we go for that mm-hmm. just like when you have people from other countries coming say i don't like black people mm-hmm. you know what i mean we had i had this guy when i worked for the banking department his name was walter and when i went to work there was only two black people working there because Somebody had filed a lawsuit, mm-hmm. and so they hired some black people. So Walter decided he wasn't speaking to us. He didn't speak to nobody black. So the white examiners would ask me, so why don't Walter don't speak to black people? I said, why don't you ask Walter? Since he speaks to you, and he'll speak to me, go ask him. So you know what they did? I said, you know, like Malcolm said, you think something like you? Time will tell. So mm-hmm. what they did to him, they hired a white boy out the street, told him to hire to uh, to train the white boy and gave the white him and gave him yeah, the job and gave him the job over Walter so he got embarrassed so he left ah. but you know what you don't have to worry about that just like this little black girl she can think she white or she white mm-hmm. no if you insane you know they gonna show her <laughs> right. white people will show her who she is yeah so you mentioned uh, Kanye West um, yeah what do you think you know say like a like a, the effect of a Kanye West or even like a Stacey Dash or something. Well, you know what? Kanye said he was on something, whatever he was taking, mm-hmm. mind-altering drugs, <laughs> you know. And uh, like I said, when he made that statement to George Bush, that George, just, George Bush don't care about black people. He did something back then. But he's doing the right thing. He said he's going to stay out of politics because mm-hmm. he got a bad... Backlash. Mm-hmm. 50 Cent. You see that thing, 50 Cent? No. 50 no, no, Cent. Do a cartoon. He had Trump. 
flying <laughs> and had Kanye on his back. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I and then Kanye that. would say, I don't care about these days. I still love you. Yeah, no, I saw that. But you know what it is, Doc? It's, it's celebrity culture. Yeah. Has it's a whole really, culture. Yeah, it, it, it's really... Um, it's really created this symbiotic relationship with Politics. white supremacy and all of this stuff where what unfortunately happens today is that the masses celebrate these people, whether they do whatever they do. It doesn't even matter. I just saw something with Kanye. He apparently gave money to the family of the um, security guard who was killed. And by the police oh, yeah. in some like somewhere, yeah. yeah, somewhere. So now people are like, "Yo, look at what he." So so we get caught up in that yeah, instead of on. paying attention to this system. Yeah. We're caught up in lionizing these people and and what adulating over and they them. Be, exactly, and they, and they become what they should be yeah. or what they're designed to be. Distraction, but the yeah, the distraction yeah. from yeah. what we really yeah. should be doing, which is taking apart this this thing. But they get paid not to. Yeah, you're right. certain people they get money to, and certain people they don't. They don't care how talented you are. Mm-hmm. I remember Bill Cosby wanted to buy a what TV it? station. But yeah, I remember they that. Went with that. Absolutely That's, not. That was recent, like within the last ten years, right before he got. Yeah, I know. Oh, he got they, they didn't play with that. They wasn't mm-hmm. playing that. They don't mm-hmm. want you in control of your image. No, and you no. go on TV is this same old crap. On TV, TV. yeah, it's the birth of a nation yeah. just glorified. Yeah, it's just it is. It's nothing, different it's nothing, nothing that new. We, yeah, you know, we may put our name on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's but not, you know, if, if Europeans don't like, say no, we don't like. Or it's the same comfortable. You get these comfortable Negroes who come out like Oprah or the Commons, and they say this comfortable PC kind of can we all just get along kind of a message instead of someone who's giving them unadulterated truth. But a lot of times when cats do get unadulterated truth, unfortunately, back to your earlier point about believing in whiteness, it'll be so deep-rooted that they might get rid of the veneer, but that real deep, deep-rooted belief in whiteness will be still there. The, I remember the brother gave a speech, and he was, he was talking about the historicity of Christ. And long story short, some young man, this was at Cal State Fullerton, I think, some young man raised his hand and he said, let me ask you something, doctors, you know, how do I know that what you're saying is accurate? He said, only disrespect, but how do I know what you're saying is accurate? And he said, I applaud you for standing up. (laughs) However, I'm going to have to whip you a little bit. He said, what you're asking as a little black boy, because he always says young black man, to me, on this stage a scholar, is where can I find a white man that agrees with you Mm -hmm. so that I can know that it's accurate? That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad. And so, that's how deep rooted that belief in whiteness is. You know, well, the power yeah, of whiteness. Yeah, they start you with with the religion. They start mm-hmm. us off with that. I remember there was a on Nostra Nevada. There was a, a studio, a photo, mm-hmm. and what they would have there, they would have a, a white Jesus Christ. They were with black children. <laughs> that was like the specialty. <laughs> I guess they had a statue or something. You know, when you came in, all you had to do is put your black child there. And the, the whole, I, I used to pass by there and look at that. And if you go to one of these churches, and if you ask them, you know, they they could be a, a whole old black church, and they have all these white Jesus Christes. And Bible, and you, if you ask them, they'll say, well, don't make no difference. Yeah. See, we think that it doesn't make any difference mm-hmm. who you worship. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell them one thing. There ain't no white churches around here with no, no black, black, you know, with no black no, Jesus right. Christes in there. Not and it's yet. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we say it don't make no difference. But that's what we worship. 
Mm-hmm. Yo, you got some black grandmothers who will tear your ass up. Let me you tell you something. Jesus, Jesus. My black. grandmother had a picture. She had a picture frame with three slots in it. <laughs> three slots. Jesus, Dr. King, and Kennedy. Kennedy. Those are yeah. Yeah. her yes. go-tos. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and it was really we got We got to take a break. Uh, one more the time guy is hitting us and come by. I, I like this episode. Because of the information, but I like you, you, you learning. I think because Dr. Bobber's here, you learning to be humble. That's what's up. Mississippi, goddamn! It's our last tune. We had some requests for it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi gone down. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi gone down. Can't you see it? I know you can feel it. It's all in the air. Can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset, and Governor Wallace has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi goddamn. Hound dogs on my trail. School children sitting in jail. Black cat crossed my path. I think every day's gonna be my last. Lord have mercy on the land of mine. We all gonna get it in due time. I don't belong here. I don't belong there. I've even stopped believing in prayer. Don't tell me, I'll tell you. People just about do. I've been there, so I know they keep on saying, Go slow. That's just the trouble. Washing the windows. Picking the cotton. We're just playing rotten. I don't 
trust nobody anymore They keep on saying go slow That's just the trouble Desegregation Mass participation What happened, Dr. Van Sturdivant, after he wrote They Came With For Columbus, uh, he couldn't get his works published anymore. He fell out with whoever it is, uh, and he couldn't get his works published. So there was some sisters, Araminta Grant and Dorothy Anderson, decided that we should uh, put in money and uh, help him get his works published. So they had their first fundraiser. And in the, where Dr. Ben lives is a center mm-hmm. there in the community center. Mm-hmm. We visited. Mm-hmm. We had a chance to visit Dr. Mm-hmm. Ben there. Yeah. And uh, we gave the first fundraiser there. And what we did was not only give money, but we ordered books. We had, uh, you know, you could order. He gave you the book and books going to cost $20 and you could buy five. Mm-hmm. And then they would mail you the books. And so we did that until he got up on his feet. And then he would invite us to his house on Saturdays, and the bus would come right in front of uh, Long Island University, and you'd be paid $25, and we'd go to Dr. Minnesota's house. He had two houses, a house he lived in, and then down the block, he had a house of African civilization with all his works and where he gave his lectures, mm-hmm. and then you'd have lunch. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, we began to do that, and... Uh, Every time he had a book, this is what we would do. And then mm. we'd go to his house, pick up cool. our books, get a lecture. Incredible. That's like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And I did that for another uh, a sister that I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wrote a book that her father had uh, been the one to uh, create like FDIC. The FDIC. And she couldn't get her works published. She wanted the book for her children. And so she wrote this book. It's called the, uh, what is it called? The Guarantee. Mm-hmm. She wrote this book named The Guarantee. And I didn't know her, but uh, her friend, I had, she had a friend, and I had told him. So he said, yeah, uh, let's do that for her. So he decided we'll do this for her. And I didn't know her, so I gave my $25. And then she sent me a book in the mail. It was a book about her father. He was contemporary with Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, wrote wrote the bill that brought about it didn't bring about the FDIC right away, but he he conceived of the idea of guaranteeing loans, wow. the <laughs> banks guaranteeing loans uh, during the early twenties, and he wrote the bill and it got passed after he died. Mm. 
But she wanted her children to know it was their grandfather that wow. wrote that bill. She named the bill called Guarantee. So the book is not in wide publication because mm-hmm. she had to self-publish. And then she called me and to thank me. And I told her, listen, you know, thank you. And so she said that uh, I have all these books here now. I got to distribute them myself. This is before the Internet. Mm-hmm. And so I gave her <clears throat> Unimosax telephone number and some other people, uh, bookstores that were available at that time and I said, you know, maybe they, they will help. I know Una would help and I did go by Una's store and she did have some that's, books. That's, you know, that's amazing, man. The interesting thing is, like, remember the film Catch Me If You Can mm-hmm. with um, Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. and Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks? Yeah. Didn't they say that that character, that Leonardo DiCaprio was responsible or he was like one of the one well of the he had like some role yeah and the creation was. yeah this is but really you know what's wild is like when you think about literature like this there's so many nowadays you you wonder like where would you even come across a lot of this right. because especially now because of self-publishing it's so much out there yeah. that it's hard to find but things and, and and for the most part these amos wilson chancellor williams uh john clark's dr ben yeah. certima diops those books are being phased out of out of yeah. existence. I have a book, Autograph by Chancellor Williams. You have it. Wow. He came to first world. He mm. was blind then. His niece brought him down. I mean, it was thundering. Mm-hmm. The balcony was filled. Everybody was filled as he walked down there. Yeah. They're, like they're being phased out. You can't even yeah. find some of these books. I, I it was a, a, a. I just find. I um, I forget his name. Uh, Lester. Um, he was a psychologist and he was a musician. He died this year. Um, the the book he did the book uh, he wrote the book. Um, Watch out, honky! Uh, oh, Black Power is gonna Black get you. Doc, get you. Doc, yeah, Black Power is gonna get you. Who's Doctor Lester? I think I'm it is. His name was Lester. Um, yeah, yeah, Lester. Lester yeah, and but I had to really search and find that book. Um, and and these you know. What's not? Serious Lester's name was. Yeah, yeah, Serious yeah, Lester, yeah, name. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And we 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 don't have these institutions and these systems in place to find these things, and it, and it plays a part in what you said is that we're not passing the baton, the baton of information. But it's hard. It's, it's hard. I find it even in my family, my young yes. people of my family tell me, "Can't you talk to this person?" I have one mm-hmm. nephew. He's mm-hmm. a Republican. He voted for Trump because mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he, <laughs> he think his money. But I say, you know what? He's been in the military twenty years. Oh yeah, he's been conditioned. Go to bed. Yeah, Go to bathroom. That's how when people were like, like Jim Brown, he's then conditioned. He got, to, then he got a white wife, so that's like oh, wow. on the cake. So he's doing his. He's trying to become white. He's trying to seek whiteness, escape his negritude. I get that. What do you tell us, though? What do you tell the young people who you know are what? aware and, and you know looking what? for innovation? Like what do they got to do? Say, you can't take everybody with you where you're going. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Ain't you no could talk somebody till you turn purple. Mm-hmm. And you can't bring about consciousness in everybody mm-hmm. or standing up for everybody. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, when I was in school, I had to take on somebody else. Like some black friend, they get caught up in something. You know, they start talking about black people about it. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> How many people they massacred in the Congo? Yeah, let's talk about, about it. The Americans got wiped out. Mm. I mean, talking about we violent. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah. And all people say, oh, you know No, they're never right. Mm-hmm. But white people talk, they're, to me, they're never right. <laughs> no, I feel, they're I feel, never right. I feel you. Not when it comes to the black experience. Right. I'm the expert on the black experience, not you. Mm-hmm. You have nothing to say. Yeah. That old man, he was telling me, you know, uh, black people don't care about their children. I said, 
You don't know any black people. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and you, we, we need more of that. We need more of that. Yeah. He ain't know any black. He, yeah. he must have said, "Yeah, I don't know no." But he don't know no black people. Mm-hmm. We where did. would you know black people from? Where? Right. Tell television. Huh? People who they see yeah on yeah. Well, they see people on TV. Mm-hmm. We read about the um, um dang. We I posted a uh, an Instagram uh, image the uh, image on Instagram the other day about Marcus Books that I used to, we used to visit every time we would go to California, and now of course they're like gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. And the sister, Kenny, tore up a book that she gave me, but that's for another day. But every time, every time we would go out there, my wife was from San Francisco, the sister would give us freaking free books. I would feel so bad because we would buy books, but she would always, she would be giving, giving, giving. You talking about the the book and the store, the bookstore in Oakland? Yeah. Yeah. And we would go to both, the one in San Francisco, the one in Oakland. But that was a direct way of doing like what we're doing here. So many of the books... I would have never even heard of. I would sit there for hours and me right. and her would talk and she'd be like, oh, you know what you got to read? Yeah. And it would roll off the top of her head because, yeah. you know, she's in the business. And it's like today, you you wonder, where, you know, where are those sources to get a lot of that? Yeah. You know? Well, this is wonderful. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're talking to us. That's actually how we met Yeah, Dr. because Barbara. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, you know what, you have to be willing to learn. A lot of people are not willing to learn. A lot of people, like I Bone up on your listening skills. That's why you got two ears and one mouth. You got to learn how to listen <laughs> when people talk to you. That's the skill. That's your first skill. What do you think people are so afraid Children of? Children learn by listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you wake up day two and they start telling you no because they're listening to you. That's their, That's how they learn through their listening skills. And you have to listen. If you listen to people like my father used to say, you listen to somebody, they'll tell you exactly what they're about. Mm-hmm. I remember when Amos Wilson was alive, one of his friends had was going with this girl, and we were all hanging out together, and uh, they were supposed to they were supposed to get married, and his friend, his male friend, got her friend pregnant. And so that was people were talking about that, right? So Amos Wilson said, you know what? Instead of y'all talking about it, let's have meetings. So we started having these meetings in Amos Wilson's office on the interpersonal relationship. And he said, the problem is you don't know who you got in the first place. That becomes a problem. He said, when you have relationships with somebody, y'all just fall in love in two weeks and start having sex. And you you have no idea who you got. So he said, you have to know about a person from day one. In the human mind, there's no such thing as the past. The human mind doesn't operate that way. The human mind doesn't know the difference between the experience and the thought. Like sometimes you think about something Mm -hmm. that happened, you start crying because you're right back there. Mm -hmm. So he said, you have to know people from day one. Who am I dealing with? What is their history? Have they been sexually molested? What... Because it's right there mm-hmm. in their head, mm-hmm. in their psyche. And so this is what people do. We don't, we don't think about people. We don't even think about when we go to work. I see people come, when I go to work, keep your mouth shut. Like your grandmother said, keep your eyes open and your mouth shut. When I went to work in the banking department, they made them take some blacks and they didn't like it. They gave me a guy who they was getting ready to fire themselves. Now, why are you... Getting him to train me. You know you're getting ready to fire him. But you have to sit back. Don't go nowhere. Run in your mouth. You got to assess your environment. Mm-hmm. Every animal 
assesses mm-hmm. his environment. We don't. We constantly they start talking right away, tell all of it, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and you think about it, that's one of the problems inherently with social media mm-hmm. in general. You have and now a platform where not only are people constantly running their mouths, they're being encouraged and supported to do so. Yeah. Yep. You know? Nice and they speak for time. all of us. You know, it, dumb black people, they have one TV, speak mm-hmm. for all of us, so they say. <laughs> them black people. They, them black people. Ooh, them, them black people. Amos, Amos, <laughs> uh, what is this guy they bring? Uh, Ennis. Roy Ennis. Roy inside. Ennis, yeah. He Roy don't represent Ennis, yeah. nobody. Van Jones. Yeah. Uh, you name it. His no, wife, wife getting rid of him, but he married <laughs> He married Jimmy Carter's niece. He did? Yeah, he wanted to go high on the hog here. He wanted... <laughs> Political royalty. Wow. Yeah, she's Jimmy Carter's niece. I That's who that. Van Jones married. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. learn something new every day just yeah. by listening. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Shut your mouth, man. These, people, <laughs> these people have ambition. They do. Even I remember Obama said it was some, some woman, he was going to some white woman, and he told her, I can't marry you. I got political ambitions. <laughs> You can't help. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not a. Yeah. I'm not a fan of any president. Um, yeah, well, like I say, he was including there, Obama dropping bombs. Yeah, he was oh, dropping yeah. bombs. He was uh, killing yes. killing American yeah. citizens. Yeah. no, no, um, no yeah. due process. Sixteen years. Jeremy Scahill wrote that. I got that Scahill. book. I got Scahill. Oh, I like. Yeah. I like. I like, I like. You know what? I like Scahill. If you haven't listened to, he has a great podcast. Yeah, The I, Intercept. I, I, yeah, I do. I get it on online. I, yeah. I look he, at his. He, um, yeah, he's one of the look, few I journalists out there. I get information every little bit from everybody. Don't you know? I you see. Know. We yeah, see. Yeah, You dropped it from. Yeah. Um, you dropped me all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I didn't, didn't you know, know. what? There, there was one good book though throughout all of this piece. We first off, I'm gonna transcribe this and in particular earmark a bunch of these so everybody we're gonna post a so book we'll, list yeah, based on this. Yeah. Based on Dr. Bob. You know, there, there was yeah. a, a, a a young guy. I never forget him. He used to hang out with us. At the slave, you, you would never think of anything. He was just such a little guy. He just to hang around. And he wrote this book, and he asked me to buy it. I said, sure, you know, why not? And it was a book called Putting It All Together. And for the first time, it was a little skinny book, too. And he put together about the CIA, the FBI, mm-hmm. and how this society, world governments, how this society really works. And he was just a little, you know, the book didn't get a lot of publishing. I don't know where he is now, but I'm telling you, it was a really good work of, of somebody just putting, the name it's of the book was Putting It All Together. Mm-hmm. There was Terrence somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't even we'll, remember. We'll find him. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find him. Yeah. We'll putting him. It All Together it was really uh, world domination in the U.S. Yeah, and he yeah, put yeah. all that together. And then he uh, made a thicker book. Another He had, a, had another version of the book. What was his name? Terrence somebody. Mm-hmm. But the name of the book was Putting It All Together. Yeah. And he, he was someone who was very unassuming. Yeah. 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 You know, very everybody unassuming. could just put together. Every, there's a photographer. Every time I see him, he said, when's your book coming out? <laughs> no, yeah. That, that was about I got it. Next question. Yeah. What yeah. is it? Uh, Terrence Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to dig into it. He was a young uh, guy. I mean, very, and it's not a lot of reading. It's just a lot of facts. Yeah, I have that book at home. And I'm saying, I wish I knew where he was now. He needs to put this book back out. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a, a book that, again, for me, I didn't realize it at the time. Because, again, the personality, the figure, at least at that time in my life, I didn't realize how profound this character was. 
but Negroes with guns. Yeah. I had no clue until I really began to dug, dig in because, again, when you look at the time... Your name is Harris. Yeah, yeah. Rob, yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob Williams. Rob and uh, his wife, Melba. But, again, and you, when, you, when you look into it, you can see intellectually this man who no, no one would typically look at as a profound intellectual would be the ideological father of a Huey P, far more so than Malcolm was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This, this regular... I mean, this brother was about the most generic. This is your uncle. This is your uncle. This dude's regular. But man, when you read Negroes with guns, the, ide- the ideas, the, the, the clarity of thought, it's like, man. That Fetty Lou Hamer said she had a gun in every corner. Yeah. 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 Because it's In practical. every corner, every room. She had a gun in every corner. Yeah. People were defending themselves, but they, they don't tell that. Mm-hmm. Sure. And even even Dr. King, of course, you know what I mean? We all know that it was really it was really the, the sister uh, Ella Baker that was really, again, the the mind conceptually behind a lot of the the, the nonviolent superstructure. Dr. King was a country boy, cats mm-hmm. guns, you know. But all in all, it speaks to our ability to be practical because through through it all, we never, at least in mass, turn to the obsessive cowboy culture that we would see others embrace when it comes to guns. For us, this is a tool. It's a means to an end. You know what I mean? So, Can you speak to um, you know, just what it was like being a woman in some of these highly intellectual spaces that you've occupied in the 60s? Well, there was a lot of intellectual women. There were people working, a lot of people working on doctorates. A lot of people were coming to Dr. Ben's class because they were working on things. But there was a lot of women who started. Sister mm-hmm. Sister Keffer, she was her and her husband, Bill. They started First World Alliance. And there's a woman, she lives in my neighborhood, her name is Viola. Her and her husband were, were started it too. So there's a lot of consciousness raising. People came from all over Jersey. On Saturdays, it would be so packed in that church, then they had to move it across the street to a larger church because people began to get interested in passing along and bringing their children. This is the thing, we have to bring children. Right. Like a lot of meetings that I go to, there's no young people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to, to get young people engaged. People, if they were getting engaged, you give them something to do. Right. And stop just talking at them, but to get them engaged. What, right. were, the, what were the children doing at that time? We were working, kind of hook them in, we were working in anti-apartheid movement. Mm-hmm. So we were raising money. We were uh, going around collecting uh, clothing, sending it to South Africa, uh, giving you know, you know, fundraisers, uh, demonstrating against black artists who went to South Africa. I demonstrated against Ray Charles, people I loved. <laughs> but it, but it had you active. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. We I went with uh, Elumbe once to see Stephanie Mills when she was in the Wiz. She mm-hmm. was planned on going to South Africa and Elumbe and myself and his brother and some other people went to see her and she claimed that she didn't know, you know, what was going on in South Africa. They were slaughtering our people and you don't go entertain. And she was acting like she didn't know. So Elumbe said to her, he said, you know, uh, if you go to South Africa, you have to go as an honorary white. <laughs> and he said, if you're honorary white, then you're dishonorable black. Mm. <laughs> How did she take that? She, oh, right she, she just sat there and she said she wasn't going to go, but she did go. Oh, so, so she ultimately But went. she claimed she had a contract. She couldn't get out of the contract. But all these people, they just wanted the money. Yeah, sure. We demonstrated against Frank Sinatra. Them, them thugs, they were so mad, they didn't know what to do. 
And he got sick for two days, Francis Dr. Reuben, out there with our signs, you know, about him going to South Africa. And everybody who went, we didn't care who you were. Mm. We demonstrated against you when you came back. And we are the people in other cities we went. And, you know, when you went to these cities, Millie Jackson, she went to <laughs> South Africa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, we demonstrated against her. We didn't care who you were. Even Dr. Ben, he was mad. Dakota Staten, she went to South Africa. And he was mad because she went on a trip with him and then she diverged and went to South Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah. These people are entertainers. So they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're here to sing and dance. They so went to sing money. and dance. You know but I mean? a lot of them did not go. Yeah. yeah. They didn't. And yeah, that's not to take anything away. Yeah, they but, didn't go. But it is to it is to articulate a very clear thought around the prime motive of certain individuals. Historically, it's fine if these people want to use Europe as their as their framework. The jester, the fool, the clown had a place in society. Yeah. Now, that, now that's that. And so, if someone says, "Look, this is the way I want to, I choose to, to to earn a living or what have you," it doesn't mean you have to abide by that. But it means that there's a structure in place to keep you dancing as fast as you can, no matter what. Well, that's is that. That is a wrap. That is a wrap. As much as we want to continue, (laughs) Dr. Barber, we're going to have to do a part two to this. uh, Really, mainly because one of the reasons we asked you to come on is because, like, you have to, um, the the people, our listeners, our friends, the people who listen to the podcast, they have to hear more from you because we were blown away when we met you and we're continuing to be blown away just by... Just the sheer information that you have. I was an F student in high school. I still some school. I couldn't figure history out. Well, F for fantastic. <laughs> yes, right. Not fearless. Fantastic well, and fearless. Well, high school did you go to Frank and K Lane. Oh, you went to Lane. Yeah. When I grew up, Lane was kind of wild. Yeah. 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 Not when I went there. It was mainly white. White. Yeah. Yeah. When I went there. You gonna have a book book uh sell anytime? So, oh, I, I have. I have. You will. Work. You will. We um we are gonna um get Dr. Barber's books. We're gonna carry them for her. Bring them to our um holiday party. Yeah. Oh, we'll, that would we'll be great. Awesome. When is that? Yes. That's this, December twelfth. Okay, that's day before my eighty third birthday. Oh, what? Thirteen. Oh, wow. So you know what? Like we, we, what, are you, what are you doing? Is it going to be a big? Now we're going to celebrate you on the twelfth. If you that's one. In an orderly fashion. And then uh, so we'll set we'll set up Dr. Barber. We'll sell your books and then and, and we're we'll going to tell the Barbara. audience about you, about you and yeah. what we'll you've you. done and introduce you and we're going to make them buy some books. Yeah, yeah they'll buy it. Be you know be, the price would be cheap. No, nah, look, they don't worry about charging right, charging upcharge. No, yeah, that's right. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, so again, thank you so much okay. for coming. And thank so you for much. inviting me. Up. Thank oh, you for having oh, us. Oh, you look great man, as well. Yeah, yeah, happy, happy early birthday. Listen, I hope I be here for my birthday. Nah, you be here. Okay, we got some parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, I just, I just buried one of my best friends. Seventy wow. years. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Said, yeah. They said I had two minutes to speak. I said, "You kidding?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I just took it. I said, "Look, this has been seventy years." Even her family, she's still living in the same house she lived in. We were growing up. Wow. Her parents bought that house in Brooklyn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Well, we definitely appreciate it. And people say, "Well, how do you know somebody?" I said, "Look, you knew whole families. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, you people knew my parents, my grandparents." You knew everybody in the family. You knew their cousins. You knew their brothers. You knew everybody. Mm-hmm. 
You didn't have just a friend. It was like a family affair. Mm-hmm. You know, we black people really hung together. I remember on Sundays, when I lived in Bensonhurst, everybody came back to the house from church. Our whole family, my grandparents. My... So you grew up around all these people, so you didn't act out. You know, you couldn't act out. They taught you how not to act out. Mm-hmm. When you see people in the street, nigga, this... Yeah, it's kind of. I, I was on the train the other day with two young ladies, man, calling each other niggas, niggas suck niggas, this, niggas, suck niggas, that, niggas. be you know? this, be that, and they were like, they were in state. You know, I, when I grew up, yeah, I feel like in my generation, like even if we were acting crazy, some adults came around, yeah. we shut it down. Yeah. The dudes yeah. who ain't shut it down was we know where they at right now, you know, but yeah. we shut it down. There is no pause in today's world. Yeah, um, I don't know how they get to the point called nigga this, nigga this, nigga this, it's, it's, nigga this, they, they, they condition and they're inundated yeah. and everything they watch. men doing that Same. Nigga, yeah, I'll say you, nigga, I'll say you, come on. Oh, no, it's called losing a war. Yeah, we yeah. lost, <laughs> yes, it is called losing a yeah. war. We lost the war. Okay, this is my gift to you. Oh. Doc, doc, doc. He don't even read like that. That's, I'm being very honest with you. You should get that to me and Mally, a barn to somebody, man. Well, I'll tell you, if you oh, want that doc. book, call me. And I'm going to call you, doc. Because he don't even, he don't even read like that. It doesn't have any pictures in it. For, you know? our, for our listeners, <laughs> yeah. Kenneth is just hating. No, nah, right you know what? That's <laughs> cool. Of That's cool. Yeah. Conscious. That's cool. Listen, like I guess tell people, don't buy Miss Wilson's books online. Street. I give you a direct line to the person who's distributing it. I would like he, a direct he, line he, to that book. He, he's on Rogers. Yeah, he's on Rogers. Close. Yeah. And you say he's, and he's in particular, he's got Wilson's He's got everything. Yeah. He's the one keeping the books in print. No, I would, I would, I would like a direct line. I'll yeah, buy some, yeah. I'll buy some books today. No, yeah, if he around. I'll give you, I'll have you some tell for them. Better. And um, and we'll also put a list of um some suggested reading by yeah, you. Yeah. Um, Everybody where should you can read get this these. because. Yeah, this is, oh yeah, that's foundation. That's yeah. foundation material. Uh, we're officially uh done. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone. Except oh, you're gonna start coming to Jazz <laughs> Sisters place. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's also. Um, I go to Dr. jazz Robert. every yeah. Saturday so, night. So let's let, let's do a quick uh, commercial for, for for Sisters Place. Okay, Sisters Place. Uh, uh, it's on Jefferson and Nostrand, and they have jazz every Saturday night. Twenty dollars to get in tonight. They're having a tribute to Randy Weston, so they're having everybody who played with him. What uh, time is that tonight? They have two shows, nine o'clock, and then uh, ten thirty. I'll come by now. Yeah, we we should. We, we well, gotta go with I tell you, you if you, oh, we gotta go with you. Yeah, you don't have to go with me. I mean, <laughs> if you come by, if you make a reservation, it's twenty dollars. If you don't have a reservation, it's twenty five. Mm-hmm. But I have a standing reservation, so what I do, I call them if I'm not coming. Okay, because they save my place. That's, that's oh, it's only it. limited seats. Well, it's it's, it's you know it's big place. enough. All but right. now, see, Europeans have seeing you have great jazz so they for a little own, bit popular. of money. So, they, so now they all starting to come. Yeah, yeah. You know, take up all the season. And it's like it's nice because they have they train a lot of young people because they have um what's his name? Um he has a school uh in Connecticut. Uh I can't think of his name right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway he brings a lot of his students there. A lot of training. Like a music school. Yeah, what's his name? Um, Jack McLean. G- oh, okay. McLean. Mm-hmm. His, I was just listening to Jimmy son. Heath yesterday. Yeah, his son has a, they have a training school in mm-hmm. Connecticut. And he comes and he brings a lot of young people from the school. And even Greg Reporter used to sing oh, wow. there before he got so famous. Was he wearing that hat he always wore? Yeah. Right. Cecil Bridgewater used to bring oh, him. 
I just asked. I didn't say. I just asked. Yeah, well, the reporter when he wasn't famous used to come to sister's place to say, but he doesn't come anymore because. You hear that, Jerry? You hear that, Porter? Because he wants to. Jerry Porter. I said, said you hear that, Porter. I said, hear that, Porter. These guys over here slobbing. Well, he wants all his money now because, but like I said, he used to come with Cecil Bridgewater. Cecil Bridgewater used to bring a lot of young people, but Cecil Bridgewater is sick now. And uh, a couple of times he he passed out. I think he is diabetic or something. And But he would bring a lot of young people. But a lot of, like I said, they have a lot of young people who come, and uh, every Saturday night I'm there, sitting right when you come in the door first. I might check it out. Keep, keep, yeah, you might. But I'm just saying, if you don't have a a reservation, then you ain't getting in. If I don't get it, you can get in. (laughs) I'm gonna pretend I'm white. But but it's right here in the hood, no spin in Jefferson, right yeah, on the exactly corner. Right yeah. on that's like across from that voodoo the yeah. voodoo spot. Used to be yeah. Yeah. I don't know you voodoo. Yeah. Anyway. But all right, so so that's uh the combine signing off. Thank you for listening. Peace. 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 Look at them flames like up the sky. Ain't never seen fire shooting up so high. Look at them flames lighting up the sky. Look at them flames lighting up the sky. I ain't never seen fire shooting up so high. Are you listening, people, to what I'm saying? Because it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Ever since they passed them civil rights, those fires have been lighting up the nights. And they say they ain't gonna stop till we all have equal rights. Looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Looks like they developed a new black pride. It even showing the way they now stride. You better look around, y'all. Can't you see what I'm saying? Show looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. They show ain't. They show ain't playing. I think they're trying to get something started. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about Snick Uh and us and the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Is anyone listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Because it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. 18 billion so far as the claim of damage done by looting and flame. Yet look around, there ain't nothing changed. Nothing's damn thing. I sure hope somebody is listening to what I'm saying. Because it sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas sure ain't playing. The bigots and the virtues, they just can't see. This now black generation is going to be free. Just you try and stop them and for sure you see what I'm saying. Show sure looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Now where the black man is going is anybody's guess. With his natural hair and his Afro dress. But you can believe one thing and forget the rest. We, we know, know for sure. Them, them niggas, niggas ain't playing. And we ain't either.